0: Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're and about, you're to, get about jumped. to Get Jumped.
1: Welcome to episode 106 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast
0: where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime.
1: This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Soul Eater episodes 33 through 36, where madness takes its hold, a magnetic vortex takes you back in time, and a mosquito man de-ages himself a hundred years into an absurdly large bodybuilder type who skips leg day. <laughs>
0: normally i would try to come up with something there but i swear that is like the perfect explanation of what mosquito looks like uh like it completely skipped leg day also yeah. mosquito sounds Hitchy like the name of a very dumb wrestler from like the the age of like paul Hogan and Andre the diet the giant and in this <laughs> corner mosquito <laughs> oh my god it looks like his legs are deformed anyways let's jump in. <laughs> Hey, everybody. So, uh, yeah, uh, I am in uh, a brand new recording space, which is, is pretty cool uh, with a brand new recording thing. Um, sorry if you just heard a little bit of background noise. Um, I just had to move it around. So I'm, I've i graduated to the, uh, the level of recording person where I'm in a closet inside of a house um, recording on a microphone. So that's happening now. That's the dream, yeah. It's the dream. That's what you. Living that's what in you the want closet. to eat. Yeah, exactly. And now I like. I also can't touch the things that are around the room because like this mic picks up everything. So it's just like I can get some like good Foley effect.
1: I feel like there's going to be like absent-minded touching of things that are picked up by the uh, the microphone. That sounds sexual. It's not supposed to be sexual. That wasn't a sex joke.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm clinking cups here. <laughs> Ooh. It's just good Foley work, is what it is. Know, this, this
1: is this is dumb too because I'm like responding as though I'm hearing your recording of you when I'm not. <laughs> I'm hearing our phone call of each other, and your yeah. we'll your recording of you in like three years when I get to this episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are uh, we are. Other than that, um, the other news that I I wanted to let people know is that finally that because I have this recording thing set up. And that's one of like the big things that I've been working towards. I can finally record those episodes and cut them together um, that are Patreon only. So I'm going to be doing those this week. Um, so by the time you're hearing this, they will probably be out the first one um, on Sunday. Um, I've been waiting for this equipment to come in and set everything up so that it can get like a good sound quality because um, I've been recording on my Zoom mic and it just it it um, props forever to Rashad for dealing with my terrible audio quality, that as that Zoom becomes older and older, just degrades.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's tragic. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah, the Zoom is finally about to bite the dust. Well,
1: everybody at home, please pour one out for the Zoom.
0: Yeah. The Zoom is also what we use
1: to record the audio for our web series, which we haven't mentioned in a little while. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But I still randomly get, like, people subscribing to it on facebook or on youtube cool we I'm should like, write oh, a cool. finale for it and then shoot that shit <laughs> and then i would either have to travel to wyoming or more likely you would travel to tennessee because it is better to record in tennessee
1: ¿Por no los dos?
0: <laughs> anyways um so uh do you have any other anime news of this week well, it's only been
1: about thirty six hours since we recorded our last episode, so I have not come up with anything new since then. Yeah,
0: nothing new. No, nothing um, new. I guess so I watched. I have...
1: There's a. This is sort of old news that is also new news. So the old news is that there one of the new Pokemon movies. They usually do about one Pokemon movie a year. Uh, One of the ones they did recently was a CGI remake of the first Pokemon movie. So the first one's called Mewtwo Strikes Back. Many of you at home probably remember it. We have also covered that movie on our show. So many of you listening may have heard that episode. Uh, It is a pretty basic story where Mewtwo is created as a genetic clone. Uh, He's super powerful. So he breaks out of his creator's lab, makes his own little Haven and then brings a couple of strong Pokemon trainers there to fight them to prove his worth, copy their Pokemon and then kill everybody else ever everywhere. Uh, He does not succeed. um, But that's the story and they made a CGI remake of it which seems to be basically a shot for shot remake. Um, I watched the trailer today and I could not tell any differences. I saw many scenes that were familiar. Uh, and nothing that felt new or that seemed to suggest that the plot would go in a different direction now this movie has been out for a year maybe more uh came out last year in japan and um kind of nobody really knew anything about what had happened to it usually pokemon movies come out in america a few months later nobody had really heard anything about this they just dropped a trailer for it today and it seems like the movie will be premiering on netflix in our future in uh with an american dub so Um, that is news that I learned today and it is mildly exciting, I guess. And yeah, uh, yeah. So I did have news. See, I I have value.
0: Yeah. I, I, um, experienced a very different kind of news, which was, uh, watching people on Twitter, uh, both be excited about Studio Ghibli films coming onto Netflix and also throwing a dang fit about Studio Ghibli films coming onto Netflix. I didn't know Um, that. Yeah, people are deciding that they have very strong feelings about this. Um, I I don't know why you would have strong feelings of negativity towards it, because it's just, you know, one of the greatest anime movie creators of all time, um, or animated movie creators of all time. Um, And I I want to watch all of the canon. Uh, The only one that I'm worried about people seeing, it's like the same thing I felt about uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion coming onto Netflix, is like, people are going to see the dark underbelly of anime by watching yeah. this kind of show because they're going to be like grave of the fireflies i bet it's about fireflies it is not <laughs> i
1: thought you we were going to talk about tales from Earthsea because i think that's technically studio ghibli but uh, isn't the story that that was like his son's project and he was like you should definitely make a movie and then he made that movie and hayao miyazaki was like well i guess it's good that you can say you made a movie <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I haven't I, seen it, but that's the story. It's also, you know, Tales from Earthsea. There's something that came up on our show an episode or two ago about how a lot of characters in anime look kind of Western because they frequently have blue and green eyes and blonde hair, which is very Western and not very Japanese. But most characters in anime are Japanese. Um, and it's just a, a, a sort of feature of the style that they have traits that are not Japanese, but that are actually prominent in other real world cultures. Uh, Or not cultures, but um, like ethnic backgrounds. Um, And in that, in a similar, but maybe not similar vein, uh, Tales from Earthsea is by a black author. And the characters in it are black. And the characters in the movie Tales from Earthsea are not black. And
0: I don't know how to feel about it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I didn't know about this, but it seems upsetting
1: well, um, yeah, I, I knew about the Tales from Earthsea movie for a long time, and I knew that it was related to a fantasy series since then. Uh, actually, closer to 10 years ago now, I, when I was lived in San Francisco, I, uh, I bought and read the Tales from Earthsea, or at least four of the books of Tales from Earthsea. Uh, and they're pretty good. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin is the author who I believe died last year or maybe the year before. And... Uh, She she has a really poetic and really lovely way of writing, and there's some really cool fantasy concepts in the stories. But yeah, the the characters are all dark-skinned characters, and the characters in the movie adaptation, which is done by a Japanese studio in the style that often does not necessarily represent its characters in a real-world accurate vision of what ethnicity those characters have, does not have dark-skinned characters. So, you know... It's hard to tell if they made like a live action movie and they cast like, I don't know, Vin Diesel. Well, actually Vin Diesel is not like, but you know, if they cast uh, Chris Evans to play the lead, that would be weird. Um, But you know, in the animated form, it's a little harder to tell, but you know, uh, kind of a interesting point of trivia worth debating. I don't know where I feel on it. So if you want to let me know where you feel on it, I'm interested.
0: Yeah. And if instead you want to cry as hard as you possibly can cry for a very long time, you can watch Grave of the Fireflies. And if you I, just want to have a damn good time, you can watch My Neighbor Totoro.
1: I don't know why people would be upset about these movies coming to Netflix unless there is evidence that the movies will be in some way altered. I know there yeah, was some I scandal many years be ago. Yeah, I do are altered at all. Yeah, it's they're... just
0: like people that see it on Netflix and they get... they get. I, I've heard so many people that just get completely butthurt because they're just like it automatically defaults to putting it as the language as English without subtitles on. And I'm like, okay, okay, it's okay. All you have to do is flip two little switches and then you'll be done. Yeah, It's, it's not that difficult, you guys.
1: Yeah, it is not. Uh, that is that is a stupid complaint. And if that is your complaint, you have no look to stand on. I If if there were a complaint that would be valid, this is still a pretty big stretch. But it's my understanding that at least for some, some time now, Disney has had the Western distribution rights to Studio Ghibli films, and they tend to do the American version of Studio Ghibli films, which is why you get somebody like Tina Fey voicing a character in Ponyo. Uh, That's kind of a big deal, and that's because you have Disney movie. Uh, You have have Disney money. But um, there's now a Disney streaming service, and it is not Netflix. So if it is still the case that there are rights Uh, allocated to Disney in regards to the Western uh, distribution of Studio Ghibli movies, then them showing up on Netflix could be part of the ongoing saga of Netflix having a lot of Disney shit that Disney now wants back. Hmm. But the, in the immediate sense, all that's going to mean is that you will be able to watch them on Netflix for some time. And then later you won't be able to, but you'll still be able to find them on Disney plus. So, Even if that is a valid concern, it's not that valid. And that's the only thing we can come up with.
0: Yeah. Anyways, um, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our episodes because they are fucking fantastic this week. Uh, Soul Eater is really going to start to hit its stride again. Um, This is going to be shifting into when the show starts to go from uh, just a a normal, fantastic, awesome show that breaks your head open uh, to a show that has just it just completely will get inside of your head. And these, these fights that happen inside of the show, as well as like the dramatic arc of the characters is going to really start to bend to, um, you know, what people remember for the rest of their like viewership of watching soul eater. I remember this fight that happens between mosquito and the, the three Meisters better than i remember most of the other fights in the show um just because it was that first moment where the team works together and you just have like this this huge like everybody's being best friends moment boner for it so it's like (laughs) it's like everybody fights together and it's just like yes this is exactly what i wanted and plus it gives you those fantastic moments where like Oh man, Stein! In these episodes, I I still remember this as being like that turning point where it's just like you don't know how to feel about Stein anymore, and it's just kind of like uh, tragic but also amazing. Anyways, let's let's yeah, uh, go this ahead. This on Soul uh, Eater,
1: this is where Soul Eater starts to get, it, and then I I think you were gonna say starts to get good because it it is getting real good. But I was like, yeah, it starts to get still really good. <laughs>
0: It's it been goes from the whole time. it goes from it goes from great to really great. It, it's also um,
1: it's marking a, a tonal shift in the story. Um, up until now it has been a little bit more focused. I, I guess this uh, your you know your experience varies depending on what part of the story you're in. but overall the story has had a slightly but not completely episodic nature to it and it is it has always maintained a sense of sort of light whimsy even when things were getting kind of heavy. Um, and then there were, there are these moments of like heavy darkness and fucked upness. Uh but for the most part, it, it keeps a certain lightness about itself. And when it has that darkness, it bounces back. Um, we have been in a transitional period. And I think this is now the end of the transitional period. And we're now into the second phase of the storytelling. And that transitional period has been the lessening of whimsy. It's still there, but it's less, Um, And a much greater emphasis on the darkness and the, the, like, real danger and
0: challenge that awaits these characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, previously on Soul Eater.
1: All right, Soul Eater is a show about people who are Meisters, which means they are people who handle weapons. And the weapons are also very special because they're not just, you know, a sword. They are a person who turns themselves into a sword or whatever kind of weapon. There's all kinds of weapons. So weapons and Meisters form teams together and they go to a school called the DWMA. That's the Demon Weapon Meisters Academy. Demon weapons are the weapon people. The Meisters are the people that uh, wield them. And the Academy is the Hogwarts of this universe. Um, the DWMA has some students that are, yeah, I don't know, in their teens, the same age as all anime, shounen, protagonists. Um, they are uh, There's a, a large group of heroes that are studying at this school, and a few of our, our heroes are also the teachers at the school. Um, there's an evil organization that has come to light recently called Arachnophobia. This follows on the heels of the revival of an evil ancient witch named Arachne, who was sealed away for some time, but now she's awake. Um, they have all woken up because of the revival of the Kishin, which is like the great demon named Asura. His whole thing is that his presence spreads fear and madness and makes people go insane. So he is helping the ba- bad guys get stronger, helping old bad guys come back, and is really putting the pressure on for our heroes. There's also this guy from the, from the past called Abon. Uh, I don't think he's alive anymore. At least we don't know if he is or not. And uh, he, back way many centuries ago, created all these things called magic tools. They are just artifacts with super big power. And now the heroes and villains are kind of vying to get their hands on them. Um, Our main hero is a girl named Demaka and her partner, Sol. She's a Meister. He can turn himself into a giant scythe. Um, some time ago, they got into a fight with a character that had a mysterious sort of demonic black blood. And in that fight, Soul was tainted with the black blood. This is something of a secret known only to Soul. He it basically manifests as a tuxedo wearing little red goblin demon that uh, entices him to uh, utilize a sort of extra power burst in exchange for being demonic think the fox cloak from naruto or the masked form from bleach or this is a pretty common trope in anime there is some evil uh darkness inside of you and you can gain a huge burst in power at the cost of potentially your soul so
0: this is something star wars
1: (laughs) yeah star wars is also similar yeah um so this is something that they are dealing with um, they also are friends with a kid named Blackstar, who is a super conceited, awesome ninja. And his weapon his uh, weapon partner is a girl named Suvaki, who can turn herself into a variety of ninja-style weapons. And they are good friends with Death the Kid, who is the son of Lord Death, which is basically the Grim Reaper. And Death the Kid has a... Uh, his weapon partner is actually a, uh, a pair of sisters called the Thompson Sisters, who can turn themselves into identical guns. Um, some One of their professors is a guy named Stein, and he has a little bit of a propensity for madness already. With the awakening of Asura, he has started to lose it more and more. There is a very powerful weapon named Marie, who has shown up on the scene and has a connection with him, and has sort of a calming influence on him. So they have been partnered together, and unfortunately, one of the villains has... Uh, secretly bugged or drugged Marie with a magical snake inside of her that amplifies the madness waves that are causing Stein to lose it. So her calming presence is backfiring. Um, and nobody really knows this, at least not on the hero team. Um, Arachne is uh, running Arachnophobia. She has a subordinate named Mosquito, who's a little dude with a uh, long, um, like, pointy nose, because Mosquito. Um, and medusa is the witch that uh, implanted the snake magic into marie she is a snake-like witch who was thought to be killed but has since revived herself in the body of a little girl and she has a subordinate named erica who's like a frog witch who is way weaker than her and is totally at her mercy and is doing some spying for her on arachne and arachnophobia it's a lot of stuff but uh, i think that brings us up to episode 33.
0: Yeah, episode 33, Resonance Link, Play the Melody of the Souls. Um, this is uh, one of those episodes that does not have these like badass fight moments inside of it, but it is instead one of those great parts of Soul Eater that keeps you completely captivated in the moment um, and tells a very simplistic story throughout this episode. This episode is about two things. First and foremost, it's about learning how to be a team. Um, The way they're learning how to be this team is by resonating as a team with all three of their souls, including um, the uh, weapons that they're using at the same time. Um, This creates a link between all of them and they can communicate and move basically as one organism. Um, It's a it's a really powerful effect that makes them makes it to where you're like, you know, fighting three bodies at the same time. And we'll see that later on in the show. Um, but uh, they are having a lot of difficulty doing this. The other story that is happening here is watching Stein fight as hard as he can against leaning into the madness. Um, it's become very, very clear that Stein is losing this battle.
1: Yeah, there's also a setup at the beginning of this episode that is semi-related, but kind of its own thing to what's going on, which is that Black Star is practicing on his own, Uh, because uh, so the meisters and weapons can resonate their souls together and the more they basically the more in sync they are with each other the better their resonance and then what they're going to be learning in this episode that spencer just mentioned is resonating as a group so not only will the weapon and meister be resonating together but then they will be resonating with the other weapons and meisters in their group so it'll be a large in, in this instance it'll be seven full characters um all trying to be on the same page with each other but uh, at the beginning, Black Star is practicing on his own because uh, he's really good at this, uh, but only in unique scenarios. And it's a little bit of a weakness of his otherwise. And he is convening with the soul of the Enchanted Sword. Now, this is something that uh, some time ago he got the ability to uh, for Subaki to become the Enchanted Sword mode, but they had to overcome a separate Enchanted Sword in order to get that ability. And apparently the Enchanted Sword has a soul of its own. And he is convening with it. And it is this horrible, like moose demon thing.
0: Moose demon zebra.
1: Yeah. And he's convening with it. And he's like, I want more power. I want to be able to wield you better. And moose demon guy is like, well, why do you want that? And Blackstar is like, because I want to surpass God. Basically, I want to be the most amazing, most powerful thing ever. And the moose guy is like, well, you kind of remind me a little bit more of a demon and Blackstar is shocked and kind of horrified by this and is really shaken, and that's the end of that, and we're not going to come back to that plot point today.
0: Yeah. Um, instead, we are going to shift over to Lord Death and Stein. Um, they are uh, really starting to have a, a longer conversation about how Stein needs to um, figure out what's going on, or they really need to figure out what to do with Asura because these waves of madness are coming at him faster and faster and getting worse and worse. And one of the ways that they are going to deal with Asura is to combine power from around the world to their side, instead of letting it drift further into this, uh, this cult of like Arachne, um, the Arachnophobia team that uh, Blake talked about earlier. And the way that they're going to do this is they're going to collect these magical items that are all over their magic tools Um, And one of them is called brew. It's considered to be the most powerful magical item that was created by Ebon um, and they need to go get it.
1: Yeah. He also uh, tells Stein, he he's aware that Stein is losing it and that Stein was already a little just like, you know, pleasantly unhinged at the start of the show. And this whole Asura being awake again is not helping things. Um, but he also has a lot of faith and trust in Stein and his abilities and his know-how. And so he's like, look, you know, he and Stein are both aware that Stein is losing it. And they they admit this to each other. And Stein is like, you know, I think I've got a handle on this for a little while longer. And Lord Death is like, that's great because I re- I really trust you. I really need your help here. And what you need to do is make sure that these kids are ready. They, they need to train and get ready faster than we really strictly would Uh, have them do under, you know, normal circumstances. But uh, it's pretty important and we need to do that. And so that is what leads him to uh, getting the group to do this resonance training for the rest of the episode.
0: Yeah, so the resonance is not going well. Um, We pick up with them trying it for the first time and then it backfires on them. And it does this over and over again until Maka starts blaming Blackstar's selfishness on breaking this spirit link. Um, yeah, she's it, able to
1: resonate with death just fine, but she can connect with Blackstar.
0: Yeah, and so Blackstar is kind of getting on her about it because he's like, I'm I'm the most amazing person in the world. If you can't resonate with me, it's your problem. Um, and Maka's just like, you're the most selfish person in the world. This is the problem. You're the problem. And they get back and forth with each other until Maka eventually punches Blackstar in the face and runs off away from them uh, yeah. to kind of go tell on them to Stein.
1: There's also pressure on them because Stein has let them know that basically all the other groups have passed this already. So they are in last place. And this is so important and so time sensitive that if they are not able to achieve this today, then they are going to be left behind. Basically, they will not be able to take his class anymore. I said they were going to be expelled and I don't think they're going to be expelled from the school, but they will be expelled from his class and uh, from the sort of future um, future missions. That this class is sort of taking on as their this added responsibility in this dangerous time. So Maka pissed off at Black Star, she goes straight to Stein, who is having a fucking moment. He is like really losing it, and <laughs> they have a lot of fun with him hallucinating in these episodes and really starting to snap. Um, oh
0: man, the creepiest. There's a lot of really creepy ones one of the, one of the things that Stein keeps on uh, show uh, is his madness keeps on manifesting itself inside of this vision of Asura over the top of him, just drooling madness over the top of his head. And, and Stein looks like, has like looks one like eye that's going blood. in a normal direction and another eye that's just like, I don't give a fuck and just yeah. spinning out of control.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um. so Maka goes up to him, which snaps him out of his reverie, thankfully. And she is like, look, I can resonate with death. I can't resonate with Black Star because Black Star is selfish and he's conceited and he wants to be number one, and it's ruining our group resonation. And I don't think that it's fair for you to punish the rest of the group who are doing what they're supposed to do and are able to do that because this one person is too conceited to do it, also. And that seems like a pretty reasonable argument maybe a little bit throwing your friend under the bus but stein snaps back pretty immediately with like Blackstar's is not the problem you're the problem you're mm-hmm. you're not uh you're not like unable to connect with him because he's conceited you're unable to connect with him because he is further along than you are and you are like demanding that he hold himself back and that is not appropriate and that's not good leadership and yeah this leads her to run off completely off by herself because she's so frustrated by this
0: yeah um so uh it, she ends up get uh, coming back to the group um Subaki is also going to have a, a brief conversation with Blackstar, making Blackstar realize that he he needs to work together with the group as well and uh, make sure that he is uh staying in in charge and is uh not in charge but as a friend to all of these different characters that he' become close with. Uh, Black Star kind of has a moment of hubris, which is really nice to have with Black Star, because um, it doesn't always happen, but it's like really rarefied air when it does. Is a moment of hubris? Um, yeah, he just he's just like he's just like oh, I know that what I'm doing is driving Maka away. I need to be better. Do That's you remember hu- that moment? hubris is, is pride? Yeah, but he his hubris prideful is his moment, normal state. <laughs> yeah, but he he drives. He drives her away with his prideful self, and then has to come to a realization because of it. Like,
1: yeah, he he like he breaks from his hubris. I think,
0: I guess so. But I mean, don't they don't they always say that it's like a you know what is that what is that term instead of like um, oh god, it's the fatal flaw. Yeah, but isn't it just like you realize your hubris? Isn't there like a a phrase for this? We were in we were in theater college together. <laughs>
1: we were in theater college. I don't think that's how you say that either. <laughs> there's, uh, I
0: swear, there's like a term for this. It's like it, it's, it's like, oh uh, god. Hey, friends out there who listen to our show, remind me of what I'm trying to think of.
1: <laughs> I, there's, they, I think you're right. There is a word for it. it. It's, it has something to do with the that revelation moment. But it, yeah, it's, it's the opposite yeah, it's, of hubris or something like
0: that. It's like um, the prideful character getting their comeuppance, and yeah. I can't uh, remember what it is. It's like, oh god, we we've taken too long with this. It's, Let's what is continue. that? Catharsis. That's not catharsis. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. That's what it is. That's what I was trying to think of when I said Hebrews. Anyways, <laughs> we have a cathartic moment with him where we connect. He he connects to what he was doing wrong before, and everybody already knows what he's been doing wrong before, and everybody's just like. <sighs> Thank
1: you. Yeah, but she also then goes off to have a longer conversation with Maka. And I really like this conversation mm-hmm. where she's basically like Maka is sort of brooding because she's she doesn't want to admit that there is truth to what Stein said to her. And Tsubaki is like Tsubaki is Black Star's partner. She is his weapon and she has to put up with him all the time. And Maka is basically like, I don't know how you could do that. And Tsubaki is like, well, you guys are friends, right? Like. You don't have to understand him. You're different people and that's okay. And that's actually really good because being being different from somebody else is what makes things interesting. And it it's what you know allows you to see the ways that you are the same. And it's what allows you to appreciate the ways that you're different. And you're getting really hung up on the things about him that you can't understand. But the fact that you can't understand those things is just highlighting the fact that you guys are different And remember that being different is good. Being different is what makes us versatile and it's what makes us strong as a group. And if you can just let go of that need to understand everything about him and have him behave in a way that is completely in line with what you want, then I think we can get through this. And Maka completely sees that she's right and goes back to the group and they are able to do it. And it it like happens immediately. That was the hump that they needed to get over.
0: After they resonate together, my favorite part of the episode is where um, Maka's just like, Okay, I hit you in the face. We need to get the comeuppance for this. And they're like, No, 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 you shouldn't. You shouldn't hit Maka in the face. And Maka's like, No, I need you to do this so that we can be okay again. And so Blackstar's like, Yeah, I'm going to hit you in the face. And then he just like <laughs> punches her across the alley that they're walking through into a bunch of trash cans. And like, uh, Subaki's like, You didn't have to punch her that hard. <laughs> That's not um, how Blackstar rolls, though.
1: Yeah. He does not do anything halfway. So uh, that leads us into episode 34. And in fact, the next three episodes we're covering today are all sort of a single story beat.
0: Yeah. So these episodes, uh, I'm going to kind of run them together just because they yeah. are um, basically the same story that's that's uh, happening throughout these episodes. The episode 34, The Battle for Brew, Clash, the DWA versus Arachnophobia. Um, then episode 35, Mosquito Storm, 10 Minutes to Fight the World of the Past. And episode 36, Unleash the Seven Resonance Link, a Recital of Destruction and Creation. Um, this, These episodes are so, so good. And one of the reasons why is you get characters that you do not see normally just being so awesome. And all I want to do is just watch the three other characters, other than our lead characters, fight against arachnophobia. That's all I want to watch. I it, I'm it's like the mosquito awesome. fights great, but like the fist of thunder and the fist of fire, or the pot of thunder and the pot of fire. Um, big giant gloves that uh, God, what is his name? He fights with, um, uh, Killick. Killick. Um, then there's. Uh, there's another character who has like a big lightning bolt thing and he can shoot thunder out of it and then there's another girl that just has like, it, she has a lantern and then at the end of it she can open it up and shoot fireballs out of it and fly around on it, it's so cool <laughs> their powers are awesome, they are the yeah. fire and lightning team and I love them very much um, so it's Ox, Killick and Kim, that's it
1: yeah, there are um, there there are, okay so there are The DWMA and Arachnophobia are converging on an island. This island is the home of the magical tool Brew that we heard about in the last episode. They are converging on it to battle over possession of it. There's a catch, which is that in the middle of the island, there is a giant vortex. Uh, The story goes that many centuries ago, the item Brew was created. Then the place where it was exploded. And there has been a devastating, magical, magnetic vortex there ever since. So the vortex has a few issues that it raises for anybody trying to go. Uh, You can go into the vortex. However, you can only be there for about 20 minutes. And after that time, something will happen. Uh, You'll basically start to lose your power or lose consciousness or something. We just know that there is about a 20 minute limit. Um, And also... Uh, the magnet uh, magnetic storm will interfere with soul resonance, so you're going to have a sort of baseline fighting power, and you're not going to be able to get those like supercharged weaponmeister combos that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, we know that Brew is in the vortex somewhere, and we don't know much else about what happens when you're in there. So this this trio of episodes is going to basically focus mainly on the group that's trying to get brew from out of the vortex and the group that is protecting them while they're in there and then a few smaller fights that are happening off to the side that aren't that important but are pretty cool
0: yeah so let's talk about the least important fight of all which is also one of the best fights inside of all of it um which is going to be the fight between our old samurai friend and our old zombie friend
1: i would say this is the second least important fight.
0: what what would be the least important fight the one with ox killick and kim
1: no justin and giriko
0: oh yeah i forgot about that one
1: yeah justin and giriko fight that's how forgettable
0: Uh, it was
1: (laughs) yeah it's good but it's very brief and it is so brief compared to the other fights and doesn't get a lot of love that it feels a little bit more like a what's happening meanwhile transition style scene rather than its own thing in its own right so it's worth It's worth it, but there's not really much there. They fight, then Guriko eventually runs away after Justin launches a big attack on him.
0: That's it. Yeah, my favorite part of it is that while uh, Guriko is getting ready to ambush uh, some of the other characters as they are moving towards the Vortex, uh, they are stopped by an avalanche. And the reason why is because Justin is riding down the hill on a snowmobile um, and he has his music blasting out of speakers instead of in his ears and he causes an avalanche that covers almost all of the other people except for gary Yeah, yeah he's just like hey i'm sorry about that i didn't realize it was gonna cause an avalanche and then he notices that like all of these people are dead but he and he has like this look of forlorn on his face and he's like oh how sad it is to be my snowmobile i lost it in the avalanche <laughs>
1: He's also like, Gary goes pissed at him and is like, why don't you take out your fucking he- earphones so you can hear me when I'm talking to you? And Justin's like, you only want me to do that so you can steal my earphones.
0: <laughs> he also tells him at one point, he's like, he's like, you don't even have your earphones out. And he's like, I don't need my earphones out to predict what you're going to say, you idiot.
1: <laughs> it's nice, but it's, it is not important. So uh, yes, uh, so Stein or uh, not Stein, Sid versus so, um, uh, Mifune,
0: Yeah. Sid versus Mifune is probably my second favorite of the fights that are going to go on. Um, I it was a it was close to being like um uh uh Ox Killik and Kim was a really good fight too, but I love this fight and there is a great back and forth between these characters. So um, Sid is going to send off his normal weapon. Um, his normal weapon is um uh a woman. I cannot remember his name. It starts with an N. Nigus. Nigus. Um he sends off nigus uh to uh, to run the rest of the counter operation against all of these ar- uh, arachnophobe um arachnophobia uh arachnophobia oh my god, I cannot say that right now <laughs> I cannot say this word mcmuffman mcmuffman <laughs> do you remember that? No. okay anyways um so. Uh, he's going to send off uh, Nagus to lead the rest of this team, and uh, he is going to be left to fight against Mifune, um, and he's going to be fighting with his new weapon, which is going to be a crossbow sniper rifle. Um, It is really cool. It sends, like, like, bolts of electrical fire or something, and they kind of explode on impact. Mifune is going to be shooting out swords like a madman, um he shoots them into the wall of this ice uh wall that um Sid is at the top of at one point and runs up them as they stick into the wall which is badass um and Sid like has just just a single moment to escape and jump underneath the snow before he is slashed
1: yeah they're they are going to go back and forth and Mifane is actually kind of getting the best of Sid
0: oh yeah Um, he is much more dangerous than Sid is
1: Yeah, Sid is still pretty good and Mifani is landing hits on him, but Sid always seems to be able to like make sure that the hit is off to the side instead of like, I don't know, Sid's a zombie and the rules are a little uh, unclear as far as how you kill him. But um, Mm -hmm. there are several times where he gets cut and he's bleeding, but it seems like he was able to sort of shift his body so that he got cut in a slightly less serious place or way than he would otherwise have. Uh, but yeah, he he is slowly losing the fight, but he is not losing his resolve. And in fact, in the fight that involves um, Ox, Killick, and Kim, Kim has the um, directive to call for a retreat at some point, basically after a certain amount of time has, has passed. Um, and so during the fight that they are having, she will eventually do this. And that will show up in the sky and Sid will see it and will basically be squaring off with Mifune to potentially have their final clash. And he will be like, hey, that's my symbol to retreat. And uh, I'm I I will stay and fight you if that is what you wish. But uh, if it's all uh, if it's all right with you, uh, I'm going to (laughs) go. And. (laughs) Uh, Mifune is like, that's fine, and and Sid is like, well, you know, I mean, if you let me go, I mean, we might fight in the future, and it could have been a mistake for you to let me go. So I understand if you want to keep me here. Mifune is like, no, 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 you go, you go,
0: it's fine. <laughs> um, you also missed my favorite part of the fight, which is the part where um, Nygus returns to uh, help uh, clean up Sid's wound. At one point, after he gets stabbed through the snow. Um, and then uh, Sid is going to set up with Nygus and his other weapon um, a trap for Mafune. Um, so Mifune is going to walk forward and step on something, and he but he smells gunpowder right before it explodes, and that makes him roll backwards. And when he rolls backwards, he steps into a tripwire, and that tripwire sets off. Um, uh, that tripwire sets off a whole bunch of spikes to shoot out. And after the spikes shoot out, he moves and he steps on top of where Sid is. Sid grabs his feet, and then there's a gigantic like rock that they have uh, set up to slam into Mifune, which throws him across the snowbank and makes it to where he looks like he is really injured for the first time in this fight.
1: Yeah, it's the first time that they get the upper hand on him, and they do it pretty handily, um, and it's, it feels like it levels the playing field a little bit, although Mifune still does seem to have something of an edge.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's definitely a Home Alone-style attack strategy, um, but sometimes you can stop the sticky or wet bandits because of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this is a weird fight narratively, because I was thinking about it while it was going on, and I was like, this seems like it's not important. Like, it's cool, and I'm enjoying it, but I feel like nothing's going to come of it. And then nothing does. Yep. And I'm not. I I am not sure, but I am relatively confident that the relationship and sort of uh, past experience shared between Mufin and Sid will also not be relevant in the future. So I think this was just a cool thing that was also happening, and rather than being relevant to the story. However, yeah. it was very cool.
0: Yeah. So the reason why um, Ox uh, Killick and Kim are fighting. Um, in front of the Vortex, is that uh, Sid and Marie have gone inside of the Vortex and told them to wait. Um, Sid and Marie, I mean, uh, Stein and Marie, go in and they are gone for too long. Uh, so uh, Maka, Blackstar, and Death the Kid are going to go in after them because they said, like, you know what, I, I don't care if they tell us to stay away. Um, uh, we need to go in because Maka reveals that she has such a powerful um, ability to sense souls where they are that she has been able to sense through the vortex, these two people and suddenly their, um, their souls she could not feel anymore. And so she knows something terrible must have happened to them.
1: Yeah. And several of the characters are going to remark that that is an ability that should not be possible mm-hmm. there. It's either too much interference from the magnetic vortex or too difficult um, for sort of anybody that they know to be able to do that uh, by some degrees. So the fact that she's able to do this and kind of casually reveals that she has been able to do this is something of a big deal that is not, not super relevant right now, but it is kind of a part of the part of what makes her a particularly strong character and what ultimately makes her the main protagonist of the show. Yeah. Um, so um, they're going to go into the vortex and Ox Killick and Camp are going to remain behind and fight off all the arachnophobia goons Their fight is also relatively unimportant. Like that it's happening is important in a sort of general sense to the plot, but the actual events of the fight are not super important. Uh, But the fight is animated and it is cool and they have really awesome attacks and it is totally worth checking out.
0: Yeah. And I know I've done this a lot of times inside of the show, but like this is one of those fights that because it's not super important and those three fights that I've talked about uh, because they're not super important, If you want to watch them outside of these episodes, they're definitely just like a a nice popcorn moment. Um, It's like a lot of the fights inside of One Punch Man, where it's just like sometimes you just put them on and watch them inside of your spare time so that you can just appreciate really good animation fights. Um, These are going to definitely be ones of those. So if you just ever want to look up good Soul Eater fights, they're definitely going to be inside of there just because they are sweet um, they might not move anything really forward. It's it's like watching the battle between two sides that are going to eventually just kind of leave each other, which, you know, happens in actual battles, um, but not always inside of uh, Shonen anime. So, I mean, like, if, if you're not interested in these, that's fine. If you want to watch a really important battle, let's talk about the one that's really, really important. And that is going yeah. to be uh, the battle inside of the Vortex while they are trying to get brew.
1: Yeah, so first, we're going to see that Stein has well and truly lost it. Mm -hmm. And Marie is unable to leave him behind. She is a very caring person. She's basically stuck there while he's losing it. And they're starting to sort of glitch out, almost, Mm -hmm. because there's a weird thing about the interior of this magnetic vortex.
0: Yeah. So the weird thing that's happening inside of this vortex, number one, is that there are characters that appear around them that seem to be stuck out of time. Um, it turns out that these uh, these are memories of the past uh, snipped into this moment from years and years ago. They first notice this because they see Lord Death and he is flying above the citadel that they are walking towards and they Death is wearing his old mask the way that he used to look a long time ago. And so they remark on that. They then see uh, all of these different witches that are going to be either coming or going from the Citadel. Um, they are talking about how everything is collapsing and that Ebon is coming, um, but things are getting really bad here um, and things are starting to fall apart and something bad is about to go down. Um, and the next thing that Maka and Death Kidd and Blackstar find is uh, Stein and Marie. They make sure that they get out But they go back in um, and right before they go back in, though, yeah, right before they go back in, though, um, they notice that there is a new person that they did not expect to see here. And that is Lady Arachne. She is walking in and at first they can't tell if she's right now or if she's in the past. But they they are like, oh, man, if she was here, something really crazy must have gone down.
1: Yeah, good news. She's not there.
0: (laughs) Instead, uh, we see her talking to one of her people, and she's like at the. She's like up inside of a web, and one guy is holding a ladder, and the other guy is at the end of the ladder, and he's like feeding her things and talking to her, while the guy at the bottom is having a lot of difficulty holding her up.
1: This was one of several moments that I noticed throughout these four episodes where there is a scene transition that includes a visual gag that is not commented on, but that
0: is sincerely funny. Oh, yeah, it was great. I, I thought so, that was uh, one of the funniest moments. Yeah.
1: So the kids go into the, further into the vortex, and w- basically what we realize is that the the images walking around them, these are the memories from 800 years ago, and that what was happening to Stein and Marie was that they were starting to sort of flicker like these images so essentially, if you stay in this place for twenty minutes, you start to become a memory, and you will theoretically be trapped there forever if you do not quickly remove yourself from the vortex. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been in for about ten minutes, and they are looking around for Brew to complete the mission. When uh, the person that comes along is this little dude named Mosquito, who we have seen before, who is Arachne's lackey, and he is carrying a box that they assume and he confirms contains Brew, and. They're like, you're going to need to give that to us. And he's like, you're going to need to go fuck yourselves. And (laughs) then he puts Brew uh, in his hat for safekeeping and is like, "Uh, if you guys want to fight, I will fight you. And I'm going to do it first by pulling a good old fashioned form change.
0: Yeah. Right before he does this, though, there is going to be the introduction of another memory. And it's going to try to completely distract Death the Kid which is Ebon. Ebon is going to walk in memory form across. Um, Death Kid is going to try to see the face of who Ebon actually is, Um, but they are going to pull Death Kid away because they're like, we need you to focus. We need you to be here in this moment. Otherwise, we're going to lose Brew, and we're going to lose everything that's actually important to this moment. Yeah. It Um, is
1: not unimportant to find out who Ebon is and to see what he did in this memory but it is way more important to get the magic weapon and prevent the enemy from getting the magic weapon. Yes. So you need to focus on that.
0: Yeah. So um, they have a couple of back and forths uh, between uh, Mosquito's younger body form, uh, specifically a hundred years younger um, yeah, where he, he has little teeny tiny legs, the same size head and a gigantic upper body. Um, it really has, is like
1: a geo dude. Uh, if you know, Pokemon, there's the sort of round middle form, which would be Mosquito's uh, body. Um, and unlike geodude he has a separate head that's sticking out of that body and then the arms similar to geodude kind of out to the sides and um as geodude is sometimes depicted uh sort of pushed down uh kind of forming a a leg insta in lieu of legs and then unlike geodude you got these little baby real legs hanging down from the uh the torso (laughs) don't quite reach the ground yeah Um, and he he transforms into this form after they kind of mock him for being small which is a weird thing to do in a shonen anime because we all know size doesn't matter very much and he's not particularly smaller than any of them he's just a lot older Uh, and he's like all right well i'm gonna transform into one of my forms i can either go 100 years younger or 400 years younger and i guess 100 ought to do it and so he does that but he has some other transformation that he could have done that he didn't
0: yeah Because inside of uh, this Vortex, the Soul Resonance is much more difficult to uh, complete. um, The team is not able to do this. Blackstar ends up trying to take it on the head, um, but is not able to completely take down um, uh, basically at all uh, Mosquito. Um, Death the Kid is just trying to keep them in order, and Maka is just trying to keep it together. Meanwhile, we are having a separate battle inside of Soul's Soul. Um, He is experiencing a little tiny dude uh, we have seen a whole bunch of times before. He looks like a little red devil, and he is trying to convince Soul that the only way that they're going to be able to fight together is if he leans into his own madness and plays this piano that's hiding out inside of his soul.
1: Yeah, basically, they just learned how to resonate with each other, and that gives them a huge power boost and the ability to fight seamlessly as a team. But because of this vortex, they can't access that new power, which would be really handy in this situation. And this little demon inside of Soul is like, you can access it. All you have to do is give in to me. And Soul knows that this is a slippery slope. This is not the kind of thing where he is likely to lose his uh his sanity or have his body taken over or, you know, have his soul be conscripted to some evil demon or something like that. Like it is not a one and done proposition, but it is a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like the curse mark in Naruto, where he'll sort of become addicted to the power and seek more. Maybe it's like the uh, mask in Bleach, where it will start to develop a will of its own and try to take over. Um, again, this is a pretty common trope, and we can tell that it's playing with those tropes. Although the rules are not very specific, but what we know is that this is not this is not some point of no return for Soul, but it is something that he should avoid if he can help it but he is realizing that there is no way they're going to beat this guy if they can't resonate together, and it is not possible to resonate together without giving in to this little dude.
0: Yeah, um, so uh, they he soul does completely lean into it. Um, he plays this piano inside of his soul, and that connects them with a sound resonance. Uh, because of this, they are able to fight in a couple of different ways um first uh, blackstar is able to use his um, enchanted sword uh, or his demon sword mode um and use shadows to hold down mosquito and then throw him back um into the blast radius for death the kids um soul resonance blaster it's like that big giant cannon that he makes out of his two guns um and then while he um he is getting blasted back because of this um, he starts to lose control, and that slides him into Death's, uh, um, into Black Star's sword. And as he flies into the sword, he cuts um, into his big giant arms, and Mosquito's arms are almost cut completely off. Um, the next thing that is going to happen, though, is that Maka is going to use her final ability, um, which is instead of uh, Witch Hunter, which we've seen before, which is when her scythe becomes gigantic and kind of um i don't know almost like ethereal with a big giant eye on it instead we are going to get a new form um which is a much larger version of the exact same form before it's going to be more jagged and pointed kind of like uh the faces on um the pyramid men or whatever they're called inside of um uh oh god what is the name of that game it's like silent hill i think um it's It's like big jagged blades. Um, it looks, that,
1: yeah, almost more like an, a big axe than a scythe.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really crazy, and this one is going to turn out to be um, oh god, what is it called? Genie I, Hunter. I, Genie Hunter, which is going to be a much more powerful version, and when she swings it, she is going to cut Mosquito's body in half. Um, but they find out that Mosquito's head has popped off of his body right as he got hit and then jumped away with um, his hat still on which happens to still hold brew inside of it and they he escapes to bring that back to arachne yeah
1: they prepare to go after him again and i think death the kid is like look it's not worth us fighting him again he already said earlier that he had two forms and he didn't he only used one of them against us and we've got like three minutes before our time is up there's no way that we are going to face off against him, be able to better him and get this thing from him in this vortex in that time period. Like, mm-hmm. we have lost him. We just need to accept it and get ourselves out of here.
0: Yeah, uh, and so... That's true. Yeah, so they are going to leave. They are going to catch up with Steiner Marie and admit their defeat. Um, and in the last moments of these episodes, we are going to find out two things. First, the thing that we're going to find out is that it turns out that Brew was damaged and too much time had passed, and it's no longer usable, but Arachne is just like, that's fine, they all know that we have Brew, and that's worth it. Turns out, though... Yeah, they out, don't though, know that
1: Brew is broken, so yeah. them thinking we have it is almost as powerful as us having it.
0: Yeah, but it turns out Brew is not broken. Brew has been taken in secret by a bunch of little mice uh, that are actually a bunch of witches uh, that worked for um, uh, Medusa, and they are going to show up and show to Medusa that they have taken the real brew back to Medusa. And Medusa's like, "Yeah, i have got the upper hand now."
1: She also will explain the madness in Stein because they they comment on the snake magic that they that she used to make Stein go crazy. And they're like, uh, it seems like he's really losing it. And Medusa's like, yeah, but it's not going to activate until he tries to resonate his soul. And Mm -hmm. then it will activate all at once and it will make him go crazy. And that should happen while he's on the front lines because he's Mm -hmm. very powerful and they all trust him. And it would basically be the worst time for that to happen. And she has set
0: the spell up to activate in that moment. And they're all like, you're so evil. And that's where we're going to leave off. (laughs) That's uh, it. Join us after these uh, credits and we will talk about what's happening next time.
1: Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With
0: sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon.
1: Follow us on Twitter at B and S get jumped.
0: Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer get jumped. Or talk
1: to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash R slash get jumped.
0: If you like the show, please like subscribe and leave a review reviews. Help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher,
1: Buzzsprout,
0: or wherever you get your podcast from.
1: And Hey, thanks for listening
0: next time on Blake and Spencer get jumped we are watching Naruto episode 125 through 127 where the sand siblings fight back and Gaara can, has to overcome Kimimaru
1: outside bones outside bones your teeth are your skeleton escaping
0: <laughs> horrible
1: you're welcome